Welcome to the Words Over Ice show with your host, Ray. Okay, today we are going to talk about food and the science behind that with Erin. She goes by Food Science Babe on Instagram. Speaking of Instagram, follow us there. It's the Words Over Ice show. Also, if you guys like the show, do me a favor, rate us, leave us a review. All that stuff helps a lot. So let's just jump into this show. Hope you guys enjoy it. Today we have Aaron with us. Aaron, how's it going? Hi. <laughs> How you doing? Pretty good. So Aaron, you are a food scientist, correct? Yep. And I had no idea what that was until just about a week or so ago. I don't think many of us do. <laughs> so can you do me a favor, just explain to us exactly what it is you do? Yeah. So actually I went to school for chemical engineering. I kind of just ended up getting into food science. Um, I started out in, in an engineering role out of college and then kind of wanted to get into more of food product development side of things. So that's kind of more what food scientists do. Um, so basically we create packaged foods. I mean, anything from your bagged lettuce at the store to granola bar, cereal products, um, all that a lot, goes, a lot more goes into that stuff than you might think um, as far as sourcing ingredients to creating shelf life studies to make sure that it doesn't mold while it's on the shelf, um, all that kind of stuff. So, so that's what I do. So I create products like in a lab setting and then also I help to scale them up once, they, once they've been developed and uh, we've uh, approved it, then scaling it up to a large scale setting where they can produce it. Um, to be sold in stores. Gotcha. So there's, so health and food is just, it's obviously a huge topic now. And there's so much, it's one of those topics for me personally, like you can be swayed like daily yeah. on what you believe, honestly, yes. like, yeah. depending on, <laughs> depending yeah. on what you're listening to. Like you, you've got, you know, your vegan advocates, you've got people who are just meat enthusiasts, people who are GMO, non-GMO, organic, all that stuff. And it's literally, there's so much information. It's so saturated out there. And yeah. people really don't even know what to believe anymore. Or I, I don't, I mean, I know I don't. That, there's so much information or information and yeah. misinformation uh, out Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So I'm hoping you can shed some light for us because I know you're in the industry. You've been in there for a while. So you're actually behind the scenes. You're seeing the science behind everything that's coming out, all these labels and all this health stuff, because a lot of us, all we have to go by our documentaries or maybe, you know, what your favorite yeah, celebrity yeah. is eating at that time. That's, you know yeah, what I mean? The tough thing too, because a lot of those people aren't, you know, saying things that are based off of science. So that's one thing too. Like a lot of these things that you're reading, if you actually look into the studies, it's like, they're not at all supported by what the studies are saying. So, and actually I, I used to be an organic foods consumer. I mean, I consider my, I eat pretty healthy. I work out. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it just, you know, like I thought organic was also healthier. Um, I used to buy organic. I was fortunate enough to be able to afford it. And I thought that it was better for me. So that's what I did. I didn't really ever look into the research on it. Um, really until I became a mom and I was just kind of realizing how much, fear-based marketing is especially targeted towards moms uh, as far as, you know, baby foods, all that kind of stuff. And 
Um, I just was like, gosh, I should really actually look into this and see like, is it worth buying organic? You know, should I be buying non-GMO? Like, even though I was, you know, I'm a scientist and I work in the food industry. Like I hadn't really actually studied these things before. Um, and I was basically just going off of things that I had heard too. I mean, I guess part of my thought process was like, why would organic even be a thing if it wasn't healthier? I mean, it's more expensive. Why would anybody buy it if it wasn't healthier? So I just assumed that it was, you know, which most people do. Um, But when you actually look into the research, the research shows that organic isn't any safer, safer, and it's not any healthier than conventional foods. So the organic industry has done an amazing job at, at marketing their products as healthier, um, you know, using natural, all those, all those buzzwords to make consumers assume that they, that they are buying a healthier product. Um, I mean, otherwise if they weren't doing that, nobody would pay more for it. So Right. Yeah, they've done a great job at marketing it. I mean, I was fooled before too. And well, let me let me ask you this. Yeah, you were in the industry for a while, and you were eating this organic and living this lifestyle. Yeah. What was the consensus amongst like your peers and the industry that you were working in, like the the yeah, so the environment you were around was everyone on that train? Well, so it was actually really interesting. So. When I first got out of college, I actually worked at a large um, ingredient company, a conventional ingredient company. So I wasn't even working on organic foods. I was working on conventional foods. Um, I was working working on creating different types of products with a lot of different companies that most of them weren't creating organic products at the time. Um, so I was a lot of people that I worked with weren't necessarily organic foods consumers. So I was kind of I kind of was just doing it. I mean, it wasn't even like because everyone around me was doing it. It was like, I just personally thought it was healthier. Like, I think it's a lot, a lot of people's ideology, like, Oh, I feel like I'm eating healthier when I'm buying this. Um, so I guess it wasn't even really influenced by like where I was working because where I was working was a conventional company. Um, Mm -hmm. so then I ended up wanting to work for, um, uh, an organic, like a more natural organic company. Um, so I left that position and then started working for a company that created, um, snack products that were non-GMO and organic. And that's kind of actually when I started second guessing it a little bit, because I was the one that, um, had to get all of their products approved for through the non-GMO project to get that non-GMO stamp on their um, packaging. And when I was doing that, I was kind of realizing a little bit how arbitrary it was to get this non-GMO stamp and (laughs) kind of just looking into it more like this isn't, you know, like they were, they were, uh, so the products I was creating was like popcorn snacks and like, they weren't necessarily super healthy. You know, a lot of them were like drizzled with chocolate and stuff like that. And, and it's like Mm -hmm. this non GMO thing on here doesn't make it somehow like healthier. So that's kind of when I started second guessing it, interestingly enough, when I started working at an organic company. So that's kind of where it started And at the time I still ate organic and still thought it was better. So it wasn't really until, yeah, three years ago when I had my daughter and I, I just was like, I should really look into this because a lot of this is just going off of what other people are saying. And I would like to know just for myself, like, 
also I can save money if I don't buy organic. So that's kind of just when I started looking into it myself. Yeah. With that whole organic deal, um, they can slap a sticker on it and charge you an extra three, $4 for the same thing. That would be a hot house or conventionally grown. Yeah. It's just craziness, you know, right. Learn that the hard way though. Right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And a lot of people don't view the organic industry as like, you know, I mean, they're a lot, they're a huge industry. They're trying to make profits too. I mean, they are, they're creating their market by fear mongering against conventional products, making people think that, you know, they're just covered in pesticides and they're not as healthy. And it's just, it's, it's their way of marketing their products to make them seem better. Right. So that's super confusing as a consumer, right? I see these GMO labels, you see these, you know, natural or organic, all these other labels, and you think you're eating healthy um, and you get this, you know, quote unquote, like clean eating that everyone talks about. But what is, what's the difference between organic and conventional really? Yeah. So organic is a set of um, processing parameters, essentially. So the USDA there, they created a set of, uh, standards. So it's called the national organic program. So there's different things as far as what pesticides organic farmers can use and which pesticides they can't use. That's one of the biggest myths surrounding organic as well. Like so many people think that they don't use pesticides at all, which isn't true. They just are, they have to use a small set of what are considered natural pesticides. They also, there are some synthetic pesticides that are approved for organic farming, but, but a lot of people also think just because they're natural pesticides, they're somehow less toxic and safer, which also isn't true. So, so there's, they are, they do have to follow a set of, uh, a set of rules essentially in order to be certified organic. Um, However, those rules don't translate into safer or healthier foods. Um, so, I mean, conventional farmers can utilize the same pesticides as organic farmers, but they also have another set of synthetic pesticides that they are allowed to use, which in some cases, certain synthetic pesticides are actually, actually can be less toxic and better for the environment than, than the ones that organic farmers have to use because they're not allowed to use like the synthetic alternative. So in a lot of ways, it's a lot, it's, it's backwards than what you think. <laughs> and it's like, wow. Like I thought one of my biggest reasons for buying organic was I thought it was better for the environment as well. And that's also not true. Um, organic uses a lot more land to grow less food. Mm-hmm. And like I said, they're, they're, they have to use a small set of pesticides, which aren't necessarily better for the environment. So um, that's one huge myth that people think that organic is pesticide free and it's not, but I guess I should clarify as well, the amount of pesticide residues on organic, both organic and conventional are at such low levels that it's not, it's not unsafe. Like there's not, an amount of pesticide residue on either of them that is unsafe. So you, you can, you can easily clean the pesticide off with, you know, your basic apple cider vinegar, water, X, Y, Z. Yeah. I mean, just water is sufficient enough, but like, even if you weren't going to do that, the levels, the, pe- the levels of pesticide residues are, are so low that they don't, they don't cause a risk to, to humans at all. So 
there's so much fear mongering around that as well. And the argument you're going to get there with people, I believe, is they're going to say, and and we're going to think, why even put a little bit of this so-called poison into our bodies when it's not yeah. natural? <laughs> yeah, I love when they use the word poison too. So <laughs> the dose, like this, yeah, I'm sure everyone hears this a lot, but literally the dose makes the poison. I mean, anything can be toxic. Salt at a high enough level can be toxic. Water at a high high enough level can be toxic. So just saying these things are poison and they're toxic. I mean, they're not the dose that it's on, that it's on our foods at is not a toxic or poisonous dose. Um, that, that applies to the organic pesticides as well, which as I said, they can be even more toxic than the synthetic pesticides. Um, so they're not at a level that is toxic or poisonous. Um, and the other thing too is, I mean, plants produce their own pesticides. That's their natural defense mechanism. So mm-hmm. people don't really consider those, you know, it's like, well, those are natural. So those are better. Well, no, they're not. I mean, we just know that they're at a, they're at a, they're, they are also at a low enough level that they're not, they're not toxic or poisonous. I mean, there are some poisonous foods, so in some cases they are, but in the foods that we're eating, the natural pesticides and the pesticides that the farmers are applying are not at poisonous or toxic doses. Right. Not even close. But, uh, side, like a, not even a side note, but to, to delve into conventional and G or not GMO, but, um, well, yeah, GMO and also organic, um, I'm a firm believer myself. If it doesn't have a seed in it, I don't eat it. I need to have seeds in my fruits and vegetables. Like everything that I grow at my house in my own garden obviously has seeds. And I know there's, there's some myth behind that, that, you know, I remember being a kid where they came out with the seedless grapes and uh, you know, I was just like, how, how these don't have seeds. I remember everything having a seed in it. And, uh, here of late, when I eat things like, say, like tomatoes, certain tomatoes that I eat, they make my mouth itch. And then the ones that I grow don't. So what's behind that? When when you have these companies that are making these, these are not making, but growing, I don't, they say it's conventional. I don't buy organic because like I got hip to that a while ago that you're paying the extra money for basically nothing. Yeah. But when I go to the store, I always get the tomatoes on the vine versus, you know, your bee feeders or your other, whatever, whatever they're called. Um, I forgot the name right now, but neither here nor there. I don't buy tomatoes off the vine. They have to be on the vine. Is there any, is there any background to that or any truth to that? Um, no. So a lot of people think that there are GMO tomatoes on the market and there's not actually. So not GMO, they have seeds in them. It's just, there's something different about them. They just, they make my mouth itch. I don't know why. I guess that I is. can't say for sure, like why that happens. Um, but yeah, there wouldn't be anything different as far as I okay. guess. Yeah, so I'm not. I guess so, I'm not so maybe, sure why that would happen. So maybe it's just like different tomatoes, different styles have different levels of maybe the lycopene that's in it, or something else that maybe my body just is reacting to. Yeah, it could be. I mean, it, it okay. wouldn't have anything to do with. I mean. I guess I couldn't say for sure why that would yeah. be happening. Well, obviously but... you're not the people that are, <laughs> you're not the farmer, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so, right. Okay. That makes sense. But yeah, yeah. Like, but with the whole seed thing, what, what's your take on that with, with. There um, not yeah, so a lot of, a lot of uh, fruits and vegetables just over time have been crossbred um, mm. to, uh, to 
genetically modify so that, you know, seedless watermelons, seedless grapes, um, a lot of things weren't edible thousands of years ago. If you look at a picture of a banana, there were seeds like all like hard seeds all throughout it. You couldn't, they they weren't even edible. So a lot of these, these crossbreeding techniques have made these uh, fruits and vegetables actually edible. So um, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's not creating something that's less safe or less healthy um, than something that would have had the seeds in it. So it's funny you mentioned the bananas because I still buy the, uh, I buy the small bananas that have the big black seeds in them. Okay. (laughs) And I, that those are the bananas that I do eat. And I actually, I actually eat the seeds as well. Cause you know, there's a, there's, you know, as a nutritionist, um, I'm sure you are as well. There's a lot of vitamins. Most of the vitamins are always packed in the seeds and I, I eat the seeds as well and never have had any problem except for when I was a kid, my great grandmother telling me, if you eat the seeds, it's going to grow a tree in your stomach. And I'm like, Come <laughs> on. you know, <laughs> but outside of that, you know, I don't know. I'm I just, I guess it's different strokes for different folks. Like, like I said, personally, I just, I eat, if I don't have a seed in it, if it's supposed to have a seed in it, then I, I won't, I won't eat it. Okay. But then you, you yeah, have, I mean, it doesn't make it less nutritious at all. I mean, okay. a lot of times there are actually harmful substances in like apple oh, seeds yeah. and stuff like oh, yeah. that. Yeah, arsenic. If you eat like a, a crap ton of apple seeds, you can right. die arsenic. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. So that that's interesting. You know, to to hear the other side of a person that is hands on in the industry, um, that has you know you have your knowledge, your background. Uh, yeah, and a lot of times, like a lot of times, you know, these genetic modification techniques can make these things actually healthier, have more more nutrients in them. Selecting for certain traits through crossbreeding um, can, over time, make it healthier. So these things aren't aren't making. You know, a lot of people think that these techniques are making things worse and less healthy, and it's it's not necessarily i mean a lot of times it's making it more healthy and more nutritious so i guess i guess the fear sorry the fear there is when people when people start saying all right you're you're making things that aren't natural right and and i don't i i just i mean let me go on the record saying i don't i don't have a dog in this fight like i I don't really know like which which way which way to lean on this but i do see people's points and, and i think they have a valid point or at least a valid concern in saying you know, if we have to genetically engineer something, a product, a food in particular in a lab, and we have to create something, why should we be putting that in our bodies? Isn't our bodies meant to be in a natural state and eat foods that were grown, you know, naturally, you know, the whole cycle of earth and, you know, you have fruits and vegetables and, and, you know, for some uh, animals, why are we creating food when there's food that was provided for us to have on this planet? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely hear that a lot. You know, it's like, well, this is natural, you know, like everyone thinks natural Mm -hmm. is better and it's not, I mean, it's the naturalistic fallacy, like saying something is, you know, natural, our, our natural, our intuition, you know, assumes things like that, which just aren't true. Like we think, Oh, if it's more natural the way nature intended it. I mean, a lot of plants, if you eat them, you know, out in the wild, they would kill you. So it's not like everything natural is like good for you. Um, So as far as genetic modification goes, I mean, 
almost all the foods, unless you're foraging for your own berries and, and you know, killing all your <laughs> own wild game, like pretty much everything we're eating now is genetically modified to some extent. We farmers have been crossbreeding uh, crops for thousands of years. So pretty much everything you find at the grocery store nowadays has been genetically modified to some extent. And like people don't necessarily, that's not considered GMO as far as food labeling goes. So a lot of people don't consider that like, well, that's natural. That could happen in nature. Like, yes, that is true. However, farmers are intervening and they are crossbreeding things. So well, it, it would also take like hundreds of years for the process that farmers are doing to happen naturally in, in nature. Right. Yeah. Like we wouldn't have a ton, like most of the stuff if we were just waiting for it to happen in nature. <laughs> don't don't grab so. those little red berries off the bush. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. A lot of things in nature are, you know, are, are very deadly. So that's the naturalistic fallacy. Like not everything natural is good for us or better than something that has been created by humans. Look, um, quick, quick question. Yep. With carrots. Um, I read a story and um, have bought a bag and it slightly tasted different. Carrots originally were purple and kind of like a whitish yellowish color. And then they were crossbred into this orange color. Was there, what was the purpose to, to bump up the vitamins in a certain specific area or what was the reason for that? Um, I don't like a lot of, so a lot of things you can buy like heirloom varieties, um, you know, like a lot of tomatoes, like like that, stuff like that. So, I mean, a lot of, a lot of, um, what happens over time is they crossbreed, they find, they create something that, you know, grows really well, doesn't have a lot of, uh, you know, like a lot is kind of reason, more resistant to pests, stuff like that. So mm-hmm. a lot mm-hmm. of these things are bred to be able to grow a lot, you know, like, right. So I think I'm not sure specifically about carrots, like why they were bred to, to be orange. I don't know like what specific traits that had that they, that they selected for and why those are grown the most, but mm-hmm. that's kind of what happens over time with a lot of crops. I mean, you see that with, tomatoes there's a few varieties in the store people like consistency too i mean yes prettier you know, vegetable so, the better for them yeah so you go to the store and it's like that's you have a point your, that i wanted to make your certain tomatoes you go to a farmer's market you might have more heirloom varieties and, and things like that but i think it's just to keep things more con, you know more consistent farm right. you know to farm them it it may take less less land you can grow more on less land so all those traits have been selected for through crossbreeding for one reason or another. Right. Like uh, with the, the the term ugly vegetable, you know, that came from a farmer's market versus the pretty one that's in the store. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it, yeah. it's been, there's, there's pests that have been in and out of the, you know, area. Yep. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of produce that if it just doesn't look good, you know, it just gets tossed. That's a huge right. issue right now with, with food waste. People and don't want to buy something that doesn't look like it should. So look yeah. at France. They, they, France was like one, I think one of the first, and, and I'm not a France, I'm not a France fan. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but, but I do like that. I don't <laughs> like France, but let's say this. Um, I do like that. They put the ban on just throwing shit away. Like, like there's so many people that need food. Oh yeah. You know? That's and a huge just- thing right now. And actually, so actually one 
one positive thing. Well, there are a lot of positive things about what you consider. So, so what you consider GMO, when you see that label now, that's what, what is called transgenic crops. So that's what people are referring to when they say GMOs, where, uh, where, um, DNA has actually been inserted, you know, by a human in a lab into a, another crop. So that's called trans transgenesis. So that's that's one method of genetic <laughs> modification. But so, that's so like what the is Simpsons. considered GMO. And that can actually be used to increase the shelf life and reduce food waste. Yes, so right, that is right. one thing that is um, one of the things that, that is positive about GMOs. It's funny, you know, I just, I couldn't help but think about the Simpsons episode of the tobacco. It was just, <laughs> just so, I don't know if you guys seen that. But I don't just, know if I've seen that one. I like they, the they crossbred to tomato and tobacco together and Homer Simpson was <laughs> all about, it was hilarious. That was just a random thought. Sorry. My, I told you my mind is really jacked up. So I just like bouncing around all the hey, time. That's all right. <laughs> I'm a fan of the Simpsons. So. Yeah. Well, they tell the truth. I'll tell you that much. I don't know who he knows, but he knows somebody. <laughs> you know, we brought up a, a point earlier that I wanted to touch on. Like we as a people and GMO gets a bad name, right? But we as a people have grown so tremendously and, and rapidly. There's what, six, seven, eight billion people. I don't even know the number. But everyone kind of shuns GMO, but it's almost necessary. Like we don't have enough natural foods and crops to feed the population on yeah. this earth. Yeah. It's crazy. That's a huge thing too about um so like when people talk organic versus conventional, um, I mean organic they have to use so much more land to grow less food. So it's not, it's not a sustainable solution to be feeding a growing population. I think organic uses like 40% more land than conventional. Boom. Um, Boom. I was just about to ask you that the percentages, yeah. you know, it's all in the percentages. Yeah. So yeah, organic uses significantly more, more land than conventional and also GMOs help to, to grow more on less land as well. So that's a huge reason why they will, they are necessary for a growing population. Well, I'd imagine too, in concurrent with the land usage, it'd be more resources as well, water and, you know, uh, definitely. Yep. Yeah. So conventional uh, GMO, I mean, so also there are GMOs that have been bred for drought resistance is what is one of the traits so that obviously they can use less water. So GMOs help to preserve water. Um, they also help to, a lot of people think that GMOs equate to more pesticide use, but they actually help reduce pesticide use. Um, so I have an interesting statistic. Um, growing GMO crops, um, so one of the statistics is growing GMO crops help decrease CO2 emissions equivalent to taking 16.7 million cars off of the road for an entire year. So they help to reduce greenhouse gas emissions um, as well as reduce pesticide use. Um, that's, an, that's an interesting um, statistic in regards that they, they chose to use cars versus livestock, uh, you know, livestock usage. Um, these big livestock uh, camps that are really the problem with the ozone. And um, of course they're in bed with each other. So I, I find yeah, it funny. I mean, that... Transportation is a, a much bigger uh, hey. source of 
We would, we would, we'll, we'll agree to disagree on that. I can but send you some uh, resources because I can't too. It's on science. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know I can too. I have my, my sister's a nuclear medicine uh, tech, so she's big on science too. Um, yeah. So with that said, there's holes punched over livestock camps. Uh, cars are bad. I'll give you that, but they're nothing compared to methane gas coming from those in the concentration. But with that said, like I said, we'll agree to disagree. We'll stay on the, we'll stay on. I'm just saying that the companies are in bed with each other. So of course they're going to go after cars versus their money. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess the, the point still remains that GMOs help to re- reduce greenhouse yeah, gas yeah. emissions. See, so. see, I like you. You're on point. See? <laughs> Boom. Boom. That's Either a whole like other whichever, no, whichever, whichever you want to equate it to. It's all. Methane emissions. Exactly. Emissions. <laughs> exactly. No, and I'm not a huge GMO fan, but if it means that we can feed people yeah. that are in need, yeah. as long as they don't start injecting certain things that start changing DNA and then we got a whole bunch of lizard people. No, it's even, that's what people, no, and it's, that's a valid point though, because like people literally see, like, so a lot of the images that you see associated with GMOs, you know, you see like a syringe being inserted into a tomato, which there aren't even any GMO like tomatoes. That. That's not how it works. Like there's it so many images like that. that. And people like honestly think that's what it is. It's like, that's not at all what GMOs are. Like right. and they're not these scary, like foods that are going to change our DNA. I mean, it's just like, yeah. it's ridiculous. All these images that are associated with GMOs and if you don't really know anything about it, I mean, you're going to, you're going to believe, believe whatever. It. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's a big factory. They're just injecting everything. Yeah, right. It's out. like, that's not, how it, that's not, it's how already works. grown, dude. It's already grown. What are you talking So people don't trust government and big corporations or big companies. Yeah. Right. And you have Monsanto, for example. Yeah. yeah. They have a really bad name to them, and they provide the pesticides which are sprayed on all these foods. So people are in this conspiracy theory mindset that the government and the food industry are out to kill everybody, and I think they yeah, get caught up so in that. Yeah, so that's another, that's a great point. So a lot of people use, like, their distrust and their hate for GMOs as sort of like a distrust of, like, the... Food industry in general, you know, it's not necessarily like they really even understand what GMOs are. They're against GMOs. It's just, I don't really understand what this is. I think they're trying to, you know, like (laughs) trying to do something evil and make money. And people think they're just trying to make them sick. Yeah, right. I mean, it's just the fact that people don't necessarily understand it. And I think they're definitely, I mean, that's exactly what I'm trying to do with my social media pages is trying to get the actual science and the information out there. Because I, at one point, was not necessarily scared, but just a little bit leery of it. Kind of like, hmm, like, are these things actually worse? Like, should I be eating GMOs? And and then when you actually learn about it and you look into it, it's like, wow, this like isn't at all what I thought it was. And a lot of it is like the complete opposite of what I thought it was. So well, here's a great starting point for people that um, you have the conversation with asking what GMO stands for. Most people don't even know. They right. just know GMO. Yeah. And yeah. they're like, what's a GMO? Cause yeah. what's, what's it must be bad. Right. I, know. I don't yeah. like the GMO. I know. Like, like a lot of people don't. And they're just like, well, I just know it's bad for me, you know? And it's like, you literally okay. don't even know what it is. Um, and that's one thing when you end up, when you look into it more and end up learning more about it, you realize actually how arbitrary that definition is. 
So it's interesting. The term GMO isn't really even used in the scientific community. Like, <laughs> you just, guys actually just say it. You don't have to use a, right, an acronym. Like, yeah, yeah. Just, so the non-GMO <laughs> project essentially created this, you know, this term GMO. They knew people were afraid of these new genetic modification methods, and they saw an opportunity to take that fear, create a label, you know, non-GMO, so that they could they could use, you know, they could basically profit off of people's unnecessary fears of genetic engineering. Um, I mean, I've seen water labels with non-GMO. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, they're putting it on things that literally don't even have genes. Like, water, salt, these things don't have any genes to be modified. Like the label, the label is on things that can't even be genetically modified. Consumers don't know that they see it on, they see it on, you know, a thing of salt and then it's not on the one next to it. And they're like, well, this one must be healthier, you know? Right. And it works because Mm -hmm. people don't understand it. So they're like, Well, well, Whenever you label something, you know, non or free of, people just assume, well, whatever that is, it must be bad because why would they specifically be saying it's not in there? Um, well, we we can agree that we are living in a time of sheep, and if one person sees another person, and they, you know, most people don't do their research. Yeah, totally. They, they, or they think they are doing their research, and they're not actually looking at scientific information. I mean, there's so much misinformation out there too. It's like, right. well, how do I know what I'm looking at is is True. True or not. Exactly. Yeah. Get, get off Instagram. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a, a good example is I just watched, I don't know if you guys ever seen What the Health? Yes. The documentary. Yep. No, I haven't seen it. So, yes. so it's, I, I just saw that on a couple of weeks ago. What'd you think, Jay? Uh, it's, it's, a- it's a vegan based documentary saying how, how horrible okay. meat is. Essentially, it, it, and but here's the thing is, is um, I'm transitioning into, you know, getting into basically no meat, but here's the thing everybody's different and you shouldn't be sitting there telling people what they should and shouldn't be doing. Um, there's actually different blood types that require exactly. different There's diets. an RH factor that, you know, in people's blood that, you know, they're kind of genetically got a body style and stomach acid for meats and shit like that. But neither here nor there. I thought it was great. Um, I just don't like the idea of people forcing other people to try to not do, you know, telling people. Yeah. So my whole point of bringing that up is that you can easily get brainwashed. Like you, you're going to watch this documentary and you're going to hate me. Oh, you can get lost. Absolutely. But you're going to watch this and no more Mm -hmm. meat. Like I'm not, I'm not eating meat anymore. It's so bad for you. You know, it causes diabetes and all this other shit, but I just, I subscribe to the theory that you need to trust your body. Like everyone has a different body and and different things work. Here's my rule of thumb. If you want meat, kill the animal yourself and see how much you like that. <laughs> my husband yeah, hunts, it's so right. we mostly eat venison. So, <laughs> so there, there, there you go. If you're going to do it, then right. you do it yourself. That's that's respectable. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. And, you know, free range chicken or wild caught. It's is, not. <laughs> I mean, that's a whole different story. That's different, right? That's different. But this documentary, what it does is it just labels meat as a whole as bad when really it's the processed stuff that you want to yeah. really also, stay away I mean, from. The thing you have to realize, too, is. It, it, documentaries aren't always necessarily based on science as well. I mean, I watched uh, food Inc back in the day and I was all, you know, like, Oh my gosh, I need to, I need to start, you know, like fire yeah. again. And now that I actually understand like right. it's that, that, that wasn't based on science at all. So, so, so when you, when you do the food processing um, and then you do the shelf life uh, testing, 
what 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 goes into the preservatives of of how, how do you preserve certain things like say like okay packaged meat like ray was just saying like bologna and salami and all that stuff mm-hmm. and then and then how does it transition what's the comparison into say a granola bar or a loaf of bread so it doesn't mold up real quick yeah so a lot of different things can be used as preservatives so essentially a lot of Obviously, a lot of like mold and yeast growth has to do with either pH or moisture. So those are two things you kind of have to control. And that's what you're controlling with with the preservatives that you're using. So that, you know, preservatives oftentimes get a bad rap, too. And they're typically in there to make the food more safe. Um, I mean, would you rather be eating a moldy loaf of bread? I mean, so these things are in there to extend shelf life reduce food waste, um, make things more safe. And a lot of time, I mean, the amounts that they're in the food at are below the, I mean, all of these things are tested. We're not just putting random things in foods and being like, Oh, let's see if this works. I mean, these things have to be, have to be (laughs) tested. There's FDA regulations as to the levels of, of preservatives that you can put into foods. Um, so they're at safe levels. There's, you know, there's nothing wrong with something having preservatives in it. And that gets a bad rap a lot of times too. So, so with the whole McDonald's thing where you literally, you know, can buy something and let it leave a hamburger out, it just doesn't mold. That's crazy. Right. Uh, I actually read a really interesting. So somebody, it was like, it wasn't like a super scientific thing, but this guy actually like he, it was really interesting. He went to McDonald's he bought, I think he bought a few different types of their, um, hamburgers. And then he grilled his own. Cause he was trying to figure out like why that happens. And okay. it ended up having to do with the moisture. So like when you, uh, when you leave it out, um, it dries out and yeah, there yeah. wasn't enough moisture to, gr- so everyone was like saying like, Oh, they must be using so many preservatives and like all this stuff. And all it had to do, all it had to do with, was the fact that it was losing so much moisture when it was sitting out. Like even okay. if you would go grill a burger right now and let it sit out just in the open air, it wouldn't necessarily mold because yeah. it's losing moisture. So okay, that's good to know. That's a that's an interesting point because I'm a I'm a firm believer in science. I really am because you can't disprove proof. Yeah, you know it, it is what it is, but. uh it's just crazy. You know, I, I haven't had McDonald's, I think like 20 years, you know what I yeah. mean? Probably even longer, but neither here nor there. <laughs> um, one, one more question for you about citric acid being um, grown, like lab grown off of uh, black mold. Yeah. As a, uh, as an ingredient in, you know, like juices and yep. other things. Yep. Um, what's the safety level on that? Because black mold is pretty damn toxic. So you know? uh, that's a yeah, that's a great question. That's another that's another way that the natural organic industry sort of fear mongers against um, synthetically derived chemicals. So when you look at citric acid as a chemical compound, citric acid mm-hmm. is citric acid. So if you were to give a a chemist a sample of citric acid derived from oranges versus a citric acid derived synthetically they wouldn't be able to determine where it came from. Citric acid is citric acid. So So like on the molecular breakdown. Exactly. I mean, water is water. Like if you were to, if, if you were to, uh, so Fiji's not better than 
you know a chemical these chemical compounds like a lot that is a lot of yeah, fear-mongering is around that too like whether it's naturally derived versus synthetically derived but these things are chemical compounds that are the same regardless of where they're derived from okay. so okay so and then with processed uh, white sugar versus intrinsic sugar straight from uh, fruits. That's a different ball game though, right? Well, because... yeah. So then you're getting into obviously um, eating fruit as a whole has, you know, different, different fiber, nutrients, and fiber all that kind yeah. of stuff. So that's okay. different because it's, you're not just eating, you know, a spoonful of sugar and saying, okay. well, that's the same amount of sugar as these grapes I ate. So it's the same. Well, I mean, that's, well, that's different. I want this to be clarified because my child was told in her school that she shouldn't eat fruit because oh it has too much sugar. Oh no. Yeah. We, yeah. We, you know, and I, horrible. Oh my God. Oh my goodness. I was like, you, you, you know what? I'm, we're going private school. Gosh. <laughs> I'm, I'm calling you today. I've seen that <laughs> so much lately. Like that. Yeah. That's just, discouraging people from eating come you know like fruits and vegetables like really I mean, come on. <laughs> like and that's the, that's the whole, whole though. just like <laughs> sugar just being vilified lately is just i mean yes i get it a lot of a lot of foods have too much sugar but if you're getting it yeah. from fruits and vegetables like really come on it's intrinsic it's made for our body it's a simple sugar yeah. it breaks down it's basically what we run off of yeah you, know? you need yeah um, i mean it's not if a kid is going to eat I'd rather have a kitty, you know, like a, sugar from grapes than, you know, drinking right. a bunch of pop or something. So a whole case of strawberries. One of the biggest influencers of that is social media and the fitness boom. Cause you have all these trainers saying, yo, don't eat fruit smoothies. Don't eat fruit. It's sugar and sugar turns to fat. <laughs> and then you're gonna be fat. It drives me nuts. Yeah. That's one of the things that, that just any way of discouraging people from eating more fruits and vegetables that's going to be so much more harmful to your health than I think than avoiding sugar. Let me, I think them not eating their fruits and vegetables made their brain stop working. <laughs> Possibly. Let me ask you this: what is what does your cabinet look like? Like, what is your family's diet? That's a good question. Yeah. So actually, a good question. Venison, that's that sure. Um, that's where the truth sure. comes out. Right? Yeah. No, that's a great question. So there are certain things that I that that are certified organic that are in my cupboard because my daughter likes it. Um mm-hmm. so I'm not buying it because I'm like, oh, this organic thing is healthier or better. Like there are certain things that I just, you know, it's like, oh, I like this product. I'm gonna buy it. So mm-hmm. a lot of things that I buy, they're not they're not like I wouldn't buy something organic because it's like I think it's healthier or mm-hmm. I think it's better for the environment. Like I buy, I used to buy all organic fruits and vegetables before I knew that they weren't any healthier. And now I buy conventional. So I pretty much just buy what looks good. You know, like as far as produce goes, I mean, if the organic were to be on sale and it was cheaper than the conventional, like I'm going to buy the organic, I'm going to buy what's cheapest. So that's just kind of how I shop now. I'm not, I'm not like, I would always kind of feel like, oh man, I should really really buy these organic strawberries because I've heard that they have, you know, a lot of pesticide residues. And a lot of that can be really harmful because it's not one, it's not true. And then two, a lot of consumers, you know, if they can't afford the organic, then they're just not going to buy them at all, which, you know, is deterring people from buying healthy fruits and vegetables. 
Um, you should, uh, so that, should that happened a lot with me too. When I was, when I was eating organic, you know, I would go into the produce aisle and I'm like, Oh man, these are really expensive. And then I just wouldn't, wouldn't buy them. Cause I didn't want to buy the conventional. Yeah. You should do a documentary called going broke. <laughs> the, or, the, or, the organic farce. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a great title. Yeah. <laughs> so what's, so what, one, one more question before I, I let you go. And it's, I think this is the main like you, you get past the GMOs and organic. I think the main issue at the core is people not trusting food and, and all the diseases that are, are being brought up these days. And doctors and saying, corporations and corporations and all that. And doctors saying, you know, 60% of people that are in here for these diseases, it's all food related and it's all what you're eating. I mean, what is your take and your stance on, you know, processed food and, and, and food causing disease and, and that whole like epidemic that we're going through now? Yeah. So one of the things is that people always say like, Oh, the, you know, all these things are epidemics or whatever. And, and, and when you actually look, you know, like cancer rates are actually decreasing. Um, our population is increasing. Our population is getting older. We're living longer than ever. Um, so of course there's going to be different diseases associated with living longer. Um, however, a lot of these things actually aren't increasing what like the rates of them are not increasing. Um, I guess as far as like processed food, creating these things, that's, I mean, there's no evidence to back that the biggest thing about foods creating illnesses is just eating too much food and not moving around enough. So, so eating, you know, eating too much food and gaining weight, that, that is way more detrimental to your health than, you know, organic or conventional or GMO or non-GMO, all that kind of stuff. So, and I, I think that's a big, a big deterrent too. Is people say, you know, this, this gentleman was on a meat diet. It's like, what is he eating or what is he doing outside of that? All right. So, so he eats meat and they're saying this, this meat is causing cancer, right? Just as an example, mm-hmm. but what is he eating? Is, is he lathering that, that steak and butter? Is, is he drinking, you know, Coke with it? Is he not exercising? Is he, exercising? Yeah, is he not exercising exactly. after it? And so many of these studies too, you know, it's like, oh, well we linked this food, you know, these people that ate or a lot of them I've seen, you know, is with like diet pop. So like things with aspartame and stuff like that. And they're linking, you know, people drinking that to certain, certain diseases. And a lot of times it has to do with like, what else is in their diet though? Like, do these people typically that eat this stuff also, like you said, not exercise, have just a crappy diet in general, um, Mm -hmm. are overweight. So a lot of times it's all of those other factors that are mm-hmm. creating these illnesses, not necessarily this one ingredient or this one, you know, product. But they're conveniently ignored and they focus on just what they want to focus on, what they want right. us to know. Exactly. It's a trifecta. It's your DNA, your amount of activity and exercise and what you eat. You can be the healthiest eater, but still be a, a, a slub piece of shit. You know what I mean? Like you can, you know, it, it is what it is. Like you can still just be sitting around and be unhealthy. Yeah. You know? And at the same time, you can be eating a hundred percent organic foods and be really overweight and unhealthy. So right. I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then you have these vegans sure. that are, you know, 
obese and 250 pounds you know what right. i mean because they're they're snack food vegans right. That's yeah why. exactly they're snack food <laughs> vegans and they're out there they're buying yeah. the vegan hot dogs and the vegan burgers right. and it's still all shit like yeah. you just you hold the title you're putting yourself up on a pedestal yeah. and that goes back to what i said shut the fuck up do you stop giving people crap because they eat a certain way yes that's and great they- advice i mean yeah i mean if people want to eat even if people still have this information and they still want to buy organic that's great but the the issue comes with like the shame around it and like right. oh you don't eat organic oh you don't eat vegan like oh I'm so much better than you you know it's like that's not food shouldn't be something that makes you better than somebody else I mean no. eat the way you want to eat and if it works for you great that doesn't mean it works for everybody right absolutely right. that's a lot a lot of good information I know you have a ton more I mean your your IG yes. page is full of it so for everyone listening that wants to follow you and get a little more scientific evidence behind things where can they where can they find you yeah I so I food right science now. babe so I have a Facebook page um, at food science babe on Instagram and then my Twitter is at food babe so you can yeah you can follow those accounts and I'll have all that information in the show notes as well. Very insightful. Honestly, it's it's good to hear. It's refreshing to hear someone who actually knows what they're talking about and not, <laughs> not listening to a documentary or, yeah. you know, whatever George Clooney's drinking right. at the time. <laughs> Do not take your nutrition advice from celebrities. <laughs> we really appreciate you. And there, there could be a part two of this because there's so much more to talk about. A ton. Yeah, definitely. I'd be happy to be on again. Absolutely. All right, Aaron. Thank you for your time. Jay, yeah. thank you. Thanks. Great, great time. You think that was cool? All right. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Again, you can find Aaron at Food Science Babe on Instagram. I'll have all that in the show notes again. Uh, email me if you have anything for me, Ray at wordsovereyeshow.com. Questions, comments, complaints, all that good stuff. Also, visit the website, wordsovereyeshow.com. You can find everything we do on there. Thanks again, guys.